Welcome to the Servants Feast Christian Ministry Podcast with Reverend Elizabeth Moreau. Elizabeth wrote the From Called to Sent Discipleship series that includes six books and two retreats for the intellectual and spiritual development of Christians in the local church. In Elizabeth's From Called to Sent series, she often tells us there is more. Christianity is so much more than just attending church and Sunday school. The riches of our faith are beyond what we can hope or imagine. Jesus tells us that he came that we might have life and have it abundantly. Elizabeth passionately teaches the treasures of Christian life to the end that we grow and mature and experience an abundant life in Christ. Her reflections on topics and issues of the day always point to Jesus with the purpose of advancing his kingdom. She desires for us all to understand the deep and rich heritage we inherit from the historic and universal church. In Romans, Paul tells us, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. With this thought, let us continue our journey of transformation and renewal as Elizabeth shares her teaching through this podcast. Alrighty, this is Elizabeth, and I am glad to be back with you, and I appreciate you for listening in again, and um, I hope in the new year we will see the opportunity come for live podcasts or uh, maybe interviews in the podcast, and you can you know, learn from other people who know more than I do, but um, for the right now, we're just trying to get uh, into a regular routine and keep things moving on along. It's the uh, season of Advent, and that's what we're going to talk about today, so let's open with a word of prayer. Hear my prayer, Heavenly Father. Have mercy upon me, a sinner, and save me. We ask that you open our hearts and minds to the knowledge and love of you in Jesus Christ. Grant that we may receive your Holy Spirit for the healing of our souls. Illumine our thoughts and enliven our hearts. Teach us in this time so that we may know you in your Son, Jesus Christ, and live. These things we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so it is the season of Advent, the season of preparation, right? Now, I'm not sure what percentage of you actually, um, of of Christians in general, actually, um, intentionally observe Advent. But if you are a Christian who does try to participate in those things, I'd be curious to know um, how you go about the observance of Advent. I mean, like, how do you, you know, uh, what do you do? How, how, how are you doing that? What is your focus? What is your, what are, what are your thoughts? How are you, how are you focused on service, on, on observing Advent? And what is your time of preparation for? What is your time of waiting? What is it that you do during Advent? I mean, the history of Advent is a little bit on the sketchy side. The four-week season as we have it right now is not very old. I mean, in, at least relative to the history of the church. I mean, that does not mean, however, I will say, that um, a recognized time of preparation uh, to celebrate Christ's nativity is new. It's not. That's not new. From very early on, the church uh, encouraged Christians to prepare themselves to wait for the Lord in anticipation. Interestingly, I think, though, um, the earliest church, Christian church, appears to have placed a greater emphasis on Epiphany than they did on the Nativity. Now, Epiphany is January the 6th, right? And I think most of us know that, when the arrival of the Magi is celebrated. And the reason that's called Epiphany, this is Revelation, is that their gifts revealed who Jesus is. He is royalty. Gold was given to him, and that makes him a king of kings. Jesus is a king, right, in that in that little stable. Actually, Jesus was probably nearly two years old when the, when the Magi showed up. But anyway, um, Jesus is the king. And then divine, the frankincense represents divinity. That's what the scent, the, the scent that was burned to the gods, right? So Jesus is divine. And then, um, and then myrrh is a burial 
as a burial um, herb, or not an herb, or whatever, it's a burial scent. That's, bodies were wrapped in myrrh. So it, it pre-told of his suffering and his death. Okay, So today, unless your church has a worship service focused on epiphany, most of us are unaware of the significance of the day, which I find to be really interesting. The other day I was looking at, I don't know, some ad I was deleting, you know, or whatever in my inbox, and uh, it was talking about the 12 days of Christmas when they had, each day they were going to honor it with, this is the 12 days to Christmas, we're going to sell this on this day, and the next day we'll sell this one, the next day we'll sell this one, and for 12 days, right? <laughs> Well, the 12 days of Christmas are December the 26th, and they start then, and they run to January the 6th. It kind of kind of meets the, you know, kind of, they've kind of missed the whole point there, right? Uh, they're not shopping days prior to Christmas. The uh, 12 days of Christmas are not. You know, I mean, and as, as Christians, we're not unaffected by this kind of um, attitude toward, toward um, Christianity. I mean, they're going to, you know celebrate the 12 days of Christmas as if they have no religious significance at all. They don't even know when the 12 days of Christmas are. And, and I think that, that you know, we can't, we're in no position to complain about marketing firms who are for international companies because they don't know the 12 days of Christmas, you know. I mean, who are we to be complaining about that? I mean, we've watched um, our preparation for the birth of Jesus Christ to be turned into like this commercial extravaganza that's related to the incarnation of God, you know, only by the date of it. You know, the other day I saw a, a Lego wreath. On, it was on the, some Twitter thing. They made a Lego wreath, uh, you know, uh, Advent wreath out of Legos. And I was like, wow, that's kind of unusual. And um, i got to give them credit, actually. You know, they, it, it at least alluded to a Christian thing with the Advent wreath. But instead of the Advent, they didn't see anything about the Christ child. It had like, um, I want to say either Santa Claus or like a soldier, like a dressed up Christmas soldier or whatever from, anyway. <laughs> but at least it was an Advent wreath, I guess. You know, most of us think of it. Many, many of us, many Christmases trees start coming down Christmas afternoon. Our post-Christmas sales start on December the twenty-sixth. Most of us are caught in the same commercialization cycle. You know, I mean, think about it. How, um, how, how are you? How hard is it for you? To, you think about how hard you work to get everything ready, right? And you get, put all this effort into it, and then when it's all said and done, how relieved are you? When it's over and you can say, okay, let's all go back to real life now. So I just need to settle back to normal life, right? We prepare with lights on the house, decorations in the yard, and inside the house. We have shopping. We have wrapping gifts. We have, you know, uh, cooking and visiting Santa in the mall. We have parties and all these other traditions, whatever we're coming up with in the, in the recent decades, right? And decades is the relevant word in that sentence, Okay. In a few decades, centuries of Christian practice, you know, for preparation to prepare hearts and minds for Jesus' birth and awaiting the renewing of life and hope in him, have been reduced to the excessive commercialized profit that defines Christianity now. You know, uh, that defines Christmas now, anyway. Worse, we all participate in it to a greater or lesser degree. I have Santa Clauses. I have a small collection of Santa Clauses. Nothing grand, just whichever one I happen to like. Over the years, I've kind of picked them up here and on. I like this Santa Claus. That's kind of a cool Santa Claus. I believe I'll keep it, you know, or whatever. I have stockings for my grandkids. I have a tree in my house, all those things. You know, I don't know that it's wrong to do all of that, but I do know that we have to be very intentional about not missing the point of Advent and Christmas. You know, it seems everything about the culture is trying to... 
I don't know, sideline Christian faith. And while most of us continue to believe, we still accept the assumptions of the culture of the culture in which we live, and then we try to fit Jesus into our lives personally and kind of have this personal faith, um, even as we sort of intentionally or unknowingly embrace all the ideas of the culture. Think of all the expectations you put on yourself for Christmas Day, for your family, in terms of the perfect Christmas all, that has to match all the commercials and all the TV shows and all the, you know, I don't know, Christmas movies that are out there, right? When it all comes together and everybody falls in love and everything's wonderful and perfect. You know, nobody's life is really like that. You know, we embrace those ideas. Think about it. You know, I don't know. We, un- we intentionally or unknowingly embrace the ideas of our culture, even as we lament what our culture has become. You know, there's division among the people, the anger, the animosity, the vulgarity. You know, the crassness or the immodesty of entertainment today. I mean, some of it's just vile. And lots of things seem wrong. And so we took a wrong turn somewhere, and we don't know how to get back on track, I don't think. You know, for the last, um, I don't know, the last year or more, I've been reading about the Roman Empire. And um, I, I, there are some excellent scholars out there, and I am not one of those. Okay, I, got, I think I want to be clear about that. I am not presenting myself as a scholar on the Roman Empire, but... Anyway, I've been reading, the Roman Empire was a mighty empire. It's really impressive. It's a huge power. It had huge military. It had huge resources. It dominated the ancient world, possessed lands that um, surrounded the Mediterranean Sea and half of the Black Sea. It surrounded all of, you know, like North Africa, all the way around uh, through the Levant, all that, right? And uh, they had, um, it even like, um, it's an empire that had lands that covered almost all of contemporary Western Europe. Well, I mean, you know, it didn't include Germany, but Western Europe all the way up into England, Southeast England. It was called Britannia, but anyway, Southeast England, you know, uh, it stretched as, it was remarkable how large it was. Rome could claim the, the um, heritage of the greatest Greek philosophers, as well as like amazing technological advances in construction and in building, uh, such as the aqueduct system. That is still like a remarkable feat in human history. Right, and it was made possible everything from latrines to fountains to Roman baths. They it, had, it provided water to individual homes. It provided water to power mining operations. It was really way ahead of any other like you know uh, building capacity and any other sort of like advancement, human advancement in the time. You know, in the same vein, Roman roads were built across the entire empire, the entire Roman Empire. The remains of which are still found in Great Britain or can still be found in England. You know, additionally. Rome worshipped a pantheon of gods. And, they re- and Rome reveled in the blessings that they got from their gods, that they received from their gods. They made all these sacrifices to them, and the, the Roman gods served the Roman culture. You know, the, whether it was the emperors, the military, the wealthy, whatever, Roman, it, it, but they would sacrifice to the Roman gods so that they could have the things that they want, you know? Roman culture was also highly sexualized. And i got to figure out how to say this when there are little ears around, but and I want to be careful, but Romans who could afford such things, right, and had the funds for it or whatever, had a separate room in their home dedicated solely to carnal pleasures, you know. And they had those rooms came with, you know, paintings or, or whatever on the wall and stuff that um, encouraged and, and sort of fed... The appetite, we're dedicated, you know, trying to figure out how to say this again. Um, it encouraged what's one's appetite for the, the activities intended therein, I guess. Anyway, same-sex relationships were very commonplace in ancient Rome, especially because women were considered um, inferior and unworthy of a man's love. 
right? Uh, older men regularly paired themselves off with uh, younger um, adolescent boys, prepubescent boys. Can you imagine? They, that was common in Rome, right? If there are too many uh, female infants in a family or whatever, it led to the mass burial sites of where the Romans disposed of them, just put them out in the elements to die. When Jesus was born, he was a nobody at the far edges of Roman civilization. Everything about Rome was strong. Everything. And the empire appeared invincible and permanent. In time, of course, Rome fell. Right? And the Roman Empire is just one more great world power, right? Relegated to the bends of history. But Christianity lives on. There is a message for our time that comes from the Romans to us. It's a message of encouragement or a message of correction. And with Jesus, i got to tell you, it's usually, it usually is both and, or it's not either or. You know, usually correction and blessing come together, right? Encouragement, correction. The commonalities, the commonalities excuse me, uh, between contemporary American life today and first century Rome are really pretty remarkable if you think about it. I mean, the United States has enjoyed tremendous economic strength, and success, right? We have military might that has dominated the world at least since World War II, right? We have received a great intellectual heritage from the West, and then we've advanced that and, and improved on it here on our own, right? And, and built it on it with a superior education in the United States. And uh, we live with advances in technology and such, and medicine especially, that even our parents could not have imagined when they were younger. I mean, you know... Um, there's, and there's more coming on the horizon, more, more changes, more, more advances, more technology, more medical advances. We are wealthy, we are mighty, we are successful. All those were qualities that ancient Rome enjoyed as well. And like the Romans, our, our, our nation now has become decadent and hedonistic. It's who we are, right? We are obsessed with issues around sexuality and gender. We're very materialistic, and we're in pursuit of personal happiness, what we can get. And we're overconfident, I think, in our progress. I think we have we kind of delude ourselves about our progress because we are not tried. We are untried, and we're well-fed, and we're comfortable, and therefore we think that we're invincible. But Christianity lives on. Everything in this world will pass away. But Jesus Christ lives. Jesus Christ lives. And those who seek him and know him will live also. But what we seek from him and how we desire to know him make all the difference. The Romans prayed to their gods and offered sacrifices to them, right? And in return, Rome had great success. And they thought all that came from their gods, right? Until Rome fell. You know, and when Rome fell, it was supposedly a Christian nation, but the Son of God who came into the world to save the world did not save the Roman Empire. That is not what he came to do. And so when we pray to God and we say, you know, uh, we want you to do this, that, and the other, and we pray that we expect to offer sacrifices and this, that, God does not serve us in that way. Many of us want him to come to save our nation and to make it what it once was. But even as we pray for that, we accept the advances and call them good. We tolerate the changes even when we call them sad. Are the values of our nation godly? And Jesus, is Jesus Christ glorified by what we think and how we act? Well, I really don't think so, you know? And if, if that's the case, then why would he want to save our nation? 
I mean, do we really expect him to do that? Do we really want him to do that? We are not a, a happy people with all that we have. We have high rates of depression and high rates of anxiety that go to that go right hand in hand with our high levels of education and our high levels of success. For all that we own, we also owe a lot. Yeah. We want and we want, and nothing is ever enough. Or actually, rather, that's not the case. Nothing is ever right. Um, sometimes something remains missing or something remains um, amiss or, 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 or leaves us unsatisfied. No matter how much we have, we wonder if there couldn't be more, right? Something else, just, just something. Something more, something else, something different, just something. And that is what we're preparing to receive during Advent. C.S. Lewis famously wrote, If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. And if none of my earthly pleasures satisfy this desire, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy that desire, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. And if that is so, I must take care on the one hand never to despise or be unthankful for these earthly blessings, and on the other never to mistake them for the something else of which they are only a kind of copy or echo or mirage. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find until after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside, and I must make it the main object of life to press on to that other country and to help others to do the same. That's what I want us to see for Advent. You know, Advent is definitely a season to celebrate Jesus' birth, and that's true. I'm not arguing that at all. But it's also a call to turn our attention to home. We're not ta- I'm not talking about the cleaning of our house and the decorating of our house and doing all this stuff like that. I'm talking about our true home. Of all the challenges that Christians face today, the challenge in believing that the measure of the physical world is the reality of the, phys- is the, reality of the spiritual world. In the Western world today, but especially in America, we have forfeited everything that transcends this world. We see that clearly in the ways that we prepare for Christmas as Americans. I mean, you know, when in reality, um, the season of Advent is primarily a preparation for the return of Jesus Christ. And if we do not see Jesus Christ rule in the world, which we do not at this time, then we need to be certain that he rules in our hearts. Reality, such as we know it, is not limited to what we can see, and it doesn't matter how many people say that it is. It stretches far beyond that, far beyond anything we can imagine. All that we see, as Lewis states, suggests a greater reality, a greater truth that we cannot see. And our experiences here on this earth and in this life are a kind of copy or echo of what is true and what is real. You know, I will tell you, I found this to be true in my own life and in my own experiences, and I think that all Christians should have experiences um, for themselves of, of, the, of our true home, like a, a phone call from home or whatever. I mean, we should all have experiences of God that are greater than the world can explain or greater than, um, you know, our, what am I saying? We should have encounters with God that are real, that reveal to us what is true, what our true home is. You know, following the death of a loved one, I was mourning deeply, and I um, couldn't really express, or, or and I couldn't release the amount of, of sorrow that I had, or the depth, or, or, or whatever. I couldn't, I just couldn't fall apart and cry, or whatever. I don't know. But anyway, as I prayed one day, um, I was praying about it, and as I, it was almost as if 
a veil were pulled back. And then certainly, suddenly out of middle nowhere, I saw my loved one standing in front of the throne of God. Now, I did not see the face of God or anything like that, but I did see my loved one standing there and praising God, uh, completely, completely gone from this world. And this person was surrounded by and bathed in the uncreated and divine light of God. I mean, it was such a powerful image, such a powerful event. You know, um, and it overwhelmed the physical world around me, everything around me. It was more real than, than the physical world that I can see and touch and think about. And it's almost like, I can tell you physically, it felt like it reverberated through me. It sort of like shocked my entire body as I, as I looked. And even as I remember the vision, the memory is not close to the reality of what it actually was, the experience itself. You know, and, and that's what I think that all Christians ought to experience and ought to be, uh, it ought to be a foretaste of what is yet to come is the word that I'm looking for, a foretaste of what is yet to come. And I say that because it's not something that the mind, I want to say that, that, that even as I remember the vision, the memory is not close to the reality because the, it was greater than something that the mind could make up. The intellect can remember, but the intellect cannot create an experience that is beyond itself and greater than itself with no extraneous, you know, like drugs or hallucinogenics or something. I don't know. But, I mean, it cannot create this, this world, this life, this, this reality that so co- totally consumes and is beyond the self at the same time. Rather, it's more that the mind and the self and the whole person are overtaken by this beyond, by this, this something, this being which is greater, this life, and the something that is greater and richer and more alive than any experience that we have in this life. And this is the home to which Lewis referred to as his true country. And it is. It is where we belong. I want to be there. I mean, to be fully alive and to, and it, it, you know, it, it is not possible here. Not, not alive like, he, like, like, like life is there. And, and I'll tell you, I don't have a death wish. I don't have any big urge to die. But neither do I have a wish to hang on to life unnecessarily here. You know, this is not all there is. This is not all we should hope for. And we can and we should be grateful for this life and, and this world that we live in. I am. But we need to recognize that this life is merely a copy. It's not true and it is not eternal. And we should not hesitate to look forward to the true country, to our true home, to what we truly are, are reaching for, to where, we, to where we're heading. You know, life pours forth from God. God is the ever-creating, life-giving, holy trinity. And it is the light. His life is the light of the human race. It was the same light that I saw in the vision. It's the, it's the life-giving light of which every human being has, has, it gives life to every human being who has ever been born. And, and you know, it's more real. It, it, it's for that life that we've been born, for, for that real life, for that eternal life. We have Advent to prepare our hearts and minds for that. That's what I want us to understand. We are preparing for our true home. And it is a mistake to invest our whole self and the whole of ourself into this world because this world is just an echo of the real world. This world will come to an end one day. Now take a look at your preparations for Christmas. How much of yourself do you invest in the physical world? How much do you invest in preparing to go home? How much do you invest in preparing to yourself to receive life, the life that is the light of all human beings? I want you to be grateful this Christmas. I want you to enjoy all the preparations. I want you to enjoy your family traditions or new traditions that you've made. But this life is a gift, and so I, want, I think you should enjoy it. But the true gift is the eternal life that enlivens and gives life to all that exists. 
No, and that is coming from a kingdom that is more real than anything we can see or taste or touch here. It's even greater than we can imagine. And it will never be satisfied on this side of the world, on this side of life, I guess I should say, on this side of the veil. That's what I think is so tragic about our society today. When you get rid of the transcendent, we want to try to satisfy an eternal longing, an eternal yearning with that which is finite and that which is passing and unsatisfying finally. But I want you to approach the kingdom and, and be eager for that, to, to, to prepare in this life so that you will be ready for that life. Enjoy Christmas. We're going to talk about this some more probably in the next podcast. But enjoy pre- your preparations. But let them just be preparations. What do I say? Enjoy your Christmas. Let these preparations be a delight to you. But let them just be a shadow of your true preparation for going home. Let's close with a word of prayer. Hear my prayer, O Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner, and save me. I ask you, O God, to open the eyes of your people, that we may see your glory, and that our own hearts may yearn to see your face. Send your Spirit to walk with us, to guide our steps, and to remind us that you gave us this life, and imbue us with the light and the life of Jesus Christ. These things we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Maybe we'll talk about this a little bit more later. Maybe next time. And until next time, y'all be blessed now. You hear? You have just heard the latest podcast with Elizabeth Moreau. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, or whatever service you might use. Please rate, review, and share this podcast with others. Be sure to look us up on Facebook and like and share this podcast with your friends. Also, if you appreciate this ministry, please consider making a donation to Servants Feast Christian Ministry through our website. Join us next time as we continue to explore God's truth as it speaks to our world today with transforming love for all people.